right. Welcome back to the African History Network show when African-American business owners post the name of your business here on the thread of the broadcast. Um, you should be able to hear me. Testing one, two, three. Te okay, good. You can hear me. Um, African-American business owners post the name of your business here on the thread of the broadcast. And uh, we'll let you know how you can advertise with the African History Network and email us at uh, ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com, ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com. Um, so you can uh, advertise with us. And um, the we still have the old email address, ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com. I'm having some problems with that new email address through our new website, the africanhistorynetwork.com. So just email us at ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com because it works and I just paid the bill. So I'm still going to use that. That email address works better. Okay, let's go to this next story here. And this deals with an update dealing with the uh, Tulsa race massacre. Okay. Um, we got the news uh, this past week, uh, and I think it was Thursday. Uh, we got the news. A Tulsa judge allows uh, Tulsa judge allows 1921 race massacre lawsuit to move forward. And this was good news, but the, so this is for the three survivors of the Tulsa race massacre. Okay. This is for the three survivors of the Tulsa race massacre. Now the, um, there was also another lawsuit on behalf of descendants of the Tulsa race massacre, because they were suing for reparations. That lawsuit was denied, but the one for the three survivors. Okay. Uh, was allowed to continue. And we talked about this in Roland Martin Unfiltered on Friday. So I'm going to share a couple of clips with you dealing with that here in just a minute. Uh, a Tulsa judge is allowing a lawsuit uh, brought by plaintiffs, including um, by plaintiffs, including three survivors of the 1921 Tulsa race massacre uh, to move forward. The written order filed on Wednesday. Yeah, it was actually Wednesday. Uh, we got the news Wednesday, August 3rd, Wednesday, August 3rd. Okay. The written order filed on Wednesday provides the reasoning behind a May 2022 decision by Tulsa County District Judge Caroline Wall that denied in, in part and granted in part a motion to dismiss the case brought forward by the defendants, including the city of Tulsa and Tulsa County. No further details were offered at the time. No further details were offered at the time. Now, there was an article from uh, that I saw from Essence magazine, and their article said that the descendants were denied their lawsuit uh, to sue for reparations. But it did. So that was the headline. But it then went on to say that the Three the three survivors, their lawsuit moves forward, okay? And we know the um, three survivors are uh, Viola Fletcher, Mother Fletcher, uh, Leslie Benningfield, Randall, and Hughes Van Ellis Sr., who uh, is Mother Fletcher's uh, younger brother, okay? And she's, uh, Viola Fletcher's 108, Leslie Benningfield is 107, uh, Hughes Van Ellis is uh, 101 years old. So we talked about this on Roland Martin Unfiltered, and we also we actually spoke with uh, attorney Demario Solomon Simmons, 
who I was, uh, he was, I was co-panelist with him on Tuesday's show, but he's a uh, frequent panelist on Roland Martin and Filtered. He's one of the, uh, one of the attorneys for the three survivors. So let's go to this clip here from Roland Martin and Filtered. The descendants of the 1921 Tulsa race massacre, they have been fighting all of these years, 101 years for repair for the state of, for the city of Tulsa and state of Oklahoma uh, to repay those individuals who were impacted by the devastation caused by that massacre. Well, now, finally, they get to move forward. On Tuesday, a judge signed the order, Tulsa County District Judge Caroline Wall signed the order uh, saying that six descendants of the 1921 Tulsa race massacre can sue for reparations. In May, Wall allowed uh, the case to go forward while partially granting a motion to dismiss it without saying at the time what was being dismissed. Now, in addition to the six descendants, Wall dismissed as plaintiffs the historic Vernon AME Church, uh, which did not exist in 1921, as well as the Tulsa African Ancestral Society, which represents other descendants. Uh, folks, can Mario now hear me? Okay, all right, y'all got to let me know what's happening there. Let me introduce our panel. Kelly Bethea, communication strategist. Michael Imhotep, host of the African History Network show. Matt Manning, he is a civil rights attorney. Glad to have all three of you here. Uh, and so, uh, folks, once we get uh, DeMario's uh, audio straight, uh, I'll be able to uh, talk to him about this. Uh, as I said, folks, we were in Tulsa last year. Uh, and and this, this, is, this is not being new. Uh, you might remember Johnny Cochran uh, and others. Uh, other attorneys, uh, Charles Ogletree, uh, they were very much uh, working on this. Uh, DeMario, uh, representing uh, these descendants now. So, DeMario, uh, you know, tell us exactly what the judge uh, is allowing to move forward in this case. Uh, good evening, Roland. Good to see you. Hey, I'm not there with you in Las Vegas. Listen, the judge gave us a historic opportunity to be able to move forward with our three living survivors to go into the discovery phase of this particular case. It is something that's never happened before in the history of this country where you had an incident of racial terrorism that happened 100 years ago that we're going to be able to litigate today. These particular three heroes, 108-year-old Rosa Fletcher, you see her there with her 101-year-old brother, Uncle Red, uh, Hughes Ellis, he's 101, and then we have 107-year-old Leslie Benefield Randall. So she, she narrowed our case some. We were not happy about that. But the fact of the matter is, Roland, we're still in the game. We still have an opportunity to show that the 1921 Tulsa Race Massacre was a public nuisance that continues to impact our community today, the community of Tulsa, the community of Oklahoma, and all black people all throughout this country. Um, for folks who don't know the history, people don't realize that Greenwood was actually rebuilt. But the fact of the matter is, this was a significant amount of black wealth that was wiped out. And so black people could have built on top of that as opposed to having to uh, replace it. Uh, and so what is it uh, that you and the descendants, what are you looking to get from the city and the state? Yeah, and I want to just say when people say Greenwood rebuild, some people in Greenwood rebuild. But people like A.J. Smitherman, who owned the, 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 
the only African-American newspaper, the first African-American newspaper to have a national circulation, since we're talking about NABJ, it did not rebuild. He was ran out of town. So, you know, a lot of people, a lot of our leaders were killed, they were exiled, and they did not get a chance to rebuild. And those are some of the things that we want from the city and the county and the state. We want the, this nuisance to be what's called abated, or it be restoration and rebuilding of a community that was 40 square blocks, okay, I mean 40 blocks, 4.5 square miles, over 12,000 residents, over 1,500 homes that were burnt or destroyed. It was not just the Black Wall Street section, the business section, but the entire Greenwood community that was burnt down. So we want restoration. We want land to be returned. Just how we saw out in Manhattan Beach, with Bruce's Beach out in Los Angeles, California, a couple weeks ago. We want land that was taken during the massacre. We want it to be returned or you pay the fair market value. We want businesses that were destroyed during the massacre to be rebuilt. We want everything that prevented us from being the Black Wall Street of America that we were. We want that to be restored because it would impact descendants, our survivors, and our entire black community. Uh, you have had Tulsa and the state um, supposedly make amends. Um, it has been hit and miss. Uh, no, you've had what I say it has been. You, you've had what I you've had what I call performative politics, if you will, uh, where folks uh, want to say the right thing. Y'all have been saying no, do the right thing. Uh, you've had the city uh, build this museum. Well, they want black folks and others to come visit from as a from a tourism perspective. But they raised, what, 30 million for that when they could have given that 30 million to the descendants. That's right, Roland. And they haven't done any amends for the massacre. They haven't paid one penny in reparations. They haven't rebuilt one business that was destroyed. They haven't given back any of the land that was taken. They haven't provided any of the scholarships that they were supposed to do. They've done nothing but enrich themselves off the exploits, off the blood and the terrorism that they themselves inflicted upon our community. Rolling your right, they've raised over $30 million for a museum for what they call heritage tourism, but they did not give one penny of that money to the survivors, to the descendants, and we've called for that, as you know. We also call for them to the ongoing money that they're generating as they have gentrified Greenwood, and they're making money, millions of dollars now a year, based upon the Greenwood story. None of that money is coming back to the descendants. We think that's wrong. That is why we also have an unjust enrichment claim in our particular lawsuit that we will have an opportunity. The judge said we can replead that. I don't want to get too technical, but we will also be putting that forth in this particular case. So those who want to stand with us, those who want to see justice, go to justiceforgreenwood.org. That is justiceforgreenwood.org. Make a donation, sign up for our newsletter, connect with us so we continue to get this, so we can get these victories. This is just the first step in a long journey. We have a long way to go. But to the community people and people like you, Roland, we can get justice. And if we can win in Tulsa, we can win anywhere. But if we cannot win in Tulsa, when we have living survivors, we have video, we have pictures, we have records. If we cannot win here, then we cannot win anywhere. But together, we can get justice for Greenwood. All right, let me pause it right there. Let me pause it right there. Okay, so I want it. So justiceforgreenwood.org. You can go there, get more information. You can support them financially. Justiceforgreenwood.org. 
Okay, now I want to go to uh, this next clip here. And uh, Roland goes to uh, his panel, and I'm on the panel. Uh, let's go to clip two here. Michael, um, when you when you uh, look at this, um, and, and as I said to Demario, I mean, there's so many people. Uh, you, know, you, you had the legal dream team with Johnny Cochran. Uh, you right. had uh, Willie Gary. You had Charles Ogletree. I remember them bringing uh, the survivors, uh, many of them who now become ancestors to Capitol Congressional Black Caucus, uh, ALC, bringing them to uh, to Congress as well. I mean, they, they have been fighting this good fight from for a very, very, very long time. Yes, they have. And I remember the documentary uh, Before They Die uh, that came out, I think, in the 1990s sometime. I remember the fight of uh, Charles Ogletree and others. Uh, I, I've studied the history extensively of uh, the origins of Tulsa, which was founded by Creek Indians around 1834. And when they go into Oklahoma, they take their African slaves with them. Um, and a lot of the early African-American landowners in what became uh, the Greenwood District, North Tulsa. A lot of them got land because of those Black Freedmen Indian treaties of 1866. And uh, last year, uh, Roland, when you were in uh, Tulsa for the 100th commemoration, you actually interviewed a sister who was a descendant of uh, some of those Black Indians, uh, former slaves, who got land from those treaties and their land was taken away. So this, is, this has been a fight on multiple levels. Um, I, I've been following this um, this strategy with the public nuisance. Um, I want, one of the things that I, I want to find out is what exactly do they have to prove? What's the burden of proof that they have to prove to actually win their case? And um, the other thing is, I know that in 2021, Representative Hank Johnson of Georgia, House Representative Congressional Black Caucus, introduced a bill to try to get uh, reparations for the three survivors as well of uh, the Tulsa race massacre. So uh, I'm trying to find out w where that bill is as well in the House of Representatives. But th this is huge for this to be able to advance like this after 101 years. Okay, now uh, you can that, that was from the Friday, August 5th uh, edition of Roland Martin Unfiltered. You can watch it in its entirety. Uh, also, they have that segment uh, on Roland Martin's YouTube channel, Roland S. Martin on YouTube. They have just that segment as well that you can watch also. Okay, um, if we look here at this article from Essence.com, this is an article that I mentioned. And at the beginning of that segment, Roland got the ruling mixed up a little bit. Um the six descendants are not allowed to proceed with their lawsuit, but the three survivors are. Okay. Uh, D uh, Attorney DeMario Solomon Simmons cleared that up. If we look at this article from Essence.com, Tulsa Race Massacre descendants can't sue for reparations, Judge says. Cannot sue for reparations, Judge, said, judge says. Judge Caroline Wall dismissed six descendants and multiple organizations from a lawsuit, while the three last known survivors of the 1921 Tulsa Race Massacre can continue seeking reparations. So six descendants of victims of the 1921 Tulsa Race Massacre cannot sue for reparations, 
an Oklahoma judge said, while three known survivors of the attack can move forward with the lawsuit. The three survivors can move forward with the lawsuit. Uh, Tulsa County District Judge uh, Caroline Wall signed the order on Tuesday. Uh, that was uh, Tuesday, August 2nd, allowing Leslie Benningfield, uh, Mother Randall, uh, uh, Leslie Benningfield, um, uh, Mother Randall, uh, Viola Fletcher, uh, who's Viola Fletcher is now 108, Mother Fletcher, and Hughes Van Ellis, who's 101 years old, to continue seeking reparations under the state, the state of Oklahoma nuisance law, public nuisance law, according to the Associated Press. In addition to the, uh, in, in addition to the six descendants, uh, Judge Wall, Judge Caroline Wall, dismissed the historic Vernon AME Church, Inc. and the Tulsa African Ancestral Society as plaintiffs in the case, as well as the Tulsa Development Authority and the Tulsa Metropolitan Area Planning Commission as defendants because they did not exist in 1921. Because they did not exist in 1921. Now, as um, Attorney Demario Solomon Simmons now uh, 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 um, explained in that interview, when you watch the full interview, the church existed, the Vernon AME Church existed in 1921, but they became incorporated after 1921. So because they, so the church was standing in 1921, but because they were not incorporated, the judge is saying that they can't proceed with their lawsuit, okay? Uh, it's really an underhanded way to, 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 to block them out, to lock them out. Now the city of Tulsa, Tulsa, Tulsa County Commissioners, Tulsa Regional Chamber, the, the Tulsa County Sheriff, and the Oklahoma Military Department will remain as defendants in the lawsuit, will remain as defendants in the lawsuit. The Mario Solomon Simmons, who we just saw in the interview with Roland Martin, uh, who's an attorney for the survivors, told the Associated Press, quote, bottom line is that survivors are in. We have the opportunity to prove the massacre itself constitutes a nuisance. We look forward to pro, pro, uh, we look forward to proving our case around the massacre's ongoing catastrophic effects and and uh, demonstrating the actions that defendants must take to repair and rebuild the Greenfield community during our clients' lifetimes, okay? Uh, so he went on to say uh, during a news conference that he had spoken uh, with the individuals who were dismissed from the case, adding that they were saddened by the uh, dismissal, but still very excited that the survivors, the three survivors are moving forward with the lawsuit and can represent the entire community of Greenwood. Read the rest of this article from um, Essence.com, Essence Magazine. Tulsa race massacre descendants can't sue for reparations, uh, judge says. Okay, so read the rest of that article. All right, now, I want to move quickly to this other story and some of this other stuff we're going to get to on our uh, Wednesday broadcast. How's everybody doing? Give us a thumbs up. Give us a heart. Give us a like. 
uh, on this broadcast. Okay. And uh, I'm going to post the link here to that full segment from uh, Roland Martin and filtered also. Uh, okay. We'll post this right here. Okay, we'll post this link here. Okay, uh, very quickly, let's go to the Brittany Griner story. The outcome was uh, predictable with uh, Brittany Griner. We all knew that she was going to be, if you understand Russia and their injustice system in Russia, uh, we know that the Russian prosecutors have a 99% uh, conviction rate is not because they're good prosecutors. It's because they're crooked as hell. Uh, so we all knew that she was going to be convicted. Oh, also, you know, before we go to that story here, I wanted to get, I wanted to uh, squeeze in this article here. Let's go back to uh, Tulsa Race Massacre, the lawsuit. Uh, this article from history.com, official website of the History Channel. We talked about this article before. I deal with this in my online history classes as well. Nine entrepreneurs, nine entrepreneurs who helped build Tulsa's Black Wall Street, nine entrepreneurs who helped build Tulsa's Black Wall Street. This article is from uh, May 14th, uh, 2021. OK, before the Tulsa race massacre, the city's African-American district thrived as a community of business leaders and visionaries. This gets to what I was talking about dealing with uh, the Black Freedmen Indian Treaties of 1866. And they quote uh, Hannibal B. Johnson, who's one of the top authorities and historians on Tulsa and Black Wall Street. And I read his book, actually, uh, this book right here. Where is his book? Here's uh, Hannibal's book uh, right here. I read uh, his first book on the Tulsa race massacre. Uh, Black Wall Street from riot to renaissance in Tulsa's historic Greenwood district. When I was doing my research, I was in, uh, I'm in a documentary dealing with Black Wall Street from a few years ago and I have a two and a half hour lecture uh, available at our website, africanhistorynetwork.com dealing with uh, the Tulsa race massacre dealing with Black Wall Street and the origins of Tulsa, things like this. But one of my sources in preparation for, uh, to do the research uh, was this book right here by Hannibal B. Johnson. Okay, so if we look at this article, he's he's quoted in this article. Um, Before the Greenwood District was established, African-Americans came to Oklahoma in the mid-19th century, the mid-1800s, as slaves of the five civilized tribes and Native Americans. The term used for the Cherokee, Chickasaw, Choctaw, Creek, and Seminole Native American tribes who were forced from their lands in the southeast part of the United States, resettling in Oklahoma, then known as Indian Territory. After the, after the U.S. Civil War, under the terms of the treaties of 1866, these African-Americans were emancipated with some integrating into these Native American tribes, a relationship that would later provide freedmen with their own land, a relationship that would later provide freedmen, the black freedmen, with their own land from those 1866 Indian treaties and the 1887 Dawes Allotment Act. 
Hannibal B. Johnson, historian Hannibal B. Johnson says, quote, the relative wealth of some black folks in Oklahoma comes in part through their connection to the tribes and their land ownership through the tribes connection to the tribes and their land ownership says Hannibal B. Johnson, historian and author of black wall street, 100 and American city grapples with this historical race, racial trauma. So that's, that was his second book on black wall street, which came out in 2021 around the time of the 100th commemoration of the Tulsa race massacre. Now the Dawes allotment act or the Dawes Act for short of 1887 authorized the U.S. government to divide tribal territories into allotments for individual Native Americans, which included black members, African-American members, okay, of those Native American nations. As word spread that Indian territory was a safe place for African-Americans to settle, between 1865 and 1920, more than 50 black townships were founded in Oklahoma. More than 50 black townships were founded in Oklahoma. And it's going to be those, uh, many of those um, uh, African-American townships that are going to help uh, the African-Americans in Tulsa, Oklahoma rebuild after the Tulsa race massacre. We got help from surrounding black townships to rebuild. Okay. So check out that article from history.com, official website of the History Channel. Nine entrepreneurs who helped build Tulsa's Black Wall Street. 